0: Hi there, thank you for tuning in to the 20th episode of Saving the Republic. Today we've got the full crew and a pretty good guest lineup. We're going to be talking a little bit about Nancy Pelosi and some Democratic hypocrisy and some National Guard hypotheticals. Thank you for tuning in to episode 20. All right, Jordan Clements, our legal counsel, please give us a little bit of the Democratic hypocrisy of this week.
1: Gladly. I would, I love to talk about (laughs) Democratic hypocrisy. So... For months now, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, has told us that if we go out in public, we are basically killing the elderly. Unless, of course, uh, we're protesting and rioting and, you know, all that stuff that causes COVID to just skip right over you. Well, Nancy Pelosi apparently still likes to look good, or at least as good as she can as a lizard person, and decided to get a haircut— now, we don't care that she got a haircut. The problem is she's been telling us that if we go out and get a haircut and, um, and if salons were to stay open, we are essentially killing the elderly and killing us all. So we're just mad at the hypocrisy. So what's y'all's opinions on all this?
0: Uh, I think it's, you know, the hypocrisy of the week. I think that next week something else is going to happen. And, you know, the, not just the Nancy Pelosi thing, Uh, Oh, oh, but I will say, this has obviously, you know, been very mainstream. But hey, sometimes you got to revert to mainstream. Uh, Nancy hit it pretty low with telling the salon owner that she set her up When the salon owners Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we've had those cameras in place for about like 10 years. And uh, we've never, you know, I just wanted to cut somebody's hair. It's not, you know. And uh, she went on Tucker. Surely Tucker Carlson, if anybody's going to interview the salon owner, <laughs> Tucker Carlson's going to be right there to do it. Uh, anyway, but I will say, like, you know, it has to be said that was pretty low of her to go blame the small business in San Francisco. Crippled San Francisco.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would love for Nancy Pelosi to be able to get her hair cut. And I wish everybody else could get their hair cut. But when you go and you spout off, like, you know, you're you're literally trying to kill people just by going back and opening your business. You know, that's the kind of stuff we heard about Shelley Luther. Um, They should be able to do that. Um, But when you're the one that's saying, uh, you know, talking about how much, how selfish people are, how how much they, you know, they don't care about people's health. Um, When you're the one that's saying that, and then you go and you get your haircut, you know, obviously that's, that's, the definition of being a hypocrite and so sure that's part the, of the other court. definition
0: of being a hypocrite is going to capitol hill with thousands of people to prove that you shouldn't have to leave your house to vote
2: <laughs> yeah yeah oh, i mean I, I just tell don't get us it. about that
1: <laughs> useful idiots that's that's the best way to describe them you gotta love no. linen for giving us those uh juicy one-liners so you me if i'm uh, wrong
0: if thousands of people go to the capitol in front of the uh, Washington Monument, on the on the Lincoln Memorial, right? Or where was it? It was on the Capitol, Capitol Phillips, Hill, Capitol grounds, Capitol, yeah. Right, Capitol grounds, okay. Uh, and so, you know, there's so many different protests that day that it's hard to keep track. Uh, the one on the Capitol ground, and it was, correct me if I'm wrong, specifically like for their rights to have to mail in vote. And then there are thousands of people there that no one like, you know, like as if COVID doesn't exist. I mean, of course, we all know if you're in a riot, if you're in a protest you're immune. Uh, but in this situation uh, it's they, it's so stupid Like all you can do is well, just laugh I turned on the tv and I was like wait why are you know you the people vote that
2: that the people that really need to vote by mail that you know that actually would be at risk um, you know for covid are people you know the elderly and they already can vote by abs- uh, by absentee ballot um, mm-hmm. so it's really um well, I even if we did do votes.
3: a mail-in system, I would think we should do it as an absentee system where you have to go online, register, mail it in, and, like, well, make sure that dead people little, aren't getting ballots. Out there. The problem out there. here
1: is… I would is,
0: online vote before I mail-in vote. I yeah, here's not. the
1: problem with the mail-in vote. If we do mail-in voting, it's not going to be a competition of who can get the most votes. It's going to be a competition of who can cheat the best. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Who can pay off the most mailmen to dump ballots? Who uh, who's smart enough to burn the ballots instead of just throwing them away?
2: um, Who's smarter and shreds them and burns them so they burn quicker? You know, think about the people that live in um, you know more conservative cities. uh, I think this is sort of speculation, but I think that you know probably a lot of the people that work for uh, you know postal service. Um, I'm having, I'm just taking a guess that they're probably going to be more left leaning. Um, you know, maybe not, but you work in a place like, you know, Lubbock or, you know, Waco, any of the places that I'm from, they're both really conservative areas. And you can probably guess that if you get a, um, ballot by mail, um, that there's a greater chance that they're going to be voting for Donald Trump. You can narrow it down even to, you know, more, you know, wealthier areas, uh, they're Gonna probably be a lot more likely to vote for Donald Trump. um, But what about when the
3: mail leaves those areas? What if it leaves that county to be
1: county? Let's not not assume that all mailmen are, but Democrats are gonna like throw away Trump ballots. They like read up and it says a T instead of a J. They're not gonna throw it away. Like, I'm not gonna be saying that, but let's look look at back in the old days. They can't, but, but let's look at back in the old days, like whenever like grandma and grandpa would like send us like money in, in the mail they'd always ask hey let us know whenever you get it in the mail because stuff gets lost in the mail all the time and well, CNN in Virginia,
0: in Virginia it was what 6 million pieces of mail that got lost the other day well I know it's I want to say I want to say three, it was
3: like I want to say it was like a very large percent like 30 or 40 percent just didn't get delivered right No. so right. CNN so came out and CNN
1: came out and said that three they estimated there are maybe 3 million total votes like 1%. So that's the way they were. 1% of Americans uh, would have their ballots lost.
0: Yeah. Look like at million states million like dollars.
1: Michigan, like 3 million. Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Carolina, Georgia, Texas Florida. No. I'm holding on hope. Don't put the <laughs> hey 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 CNN doesn't even
0: Texas does, is not even listed as a flip state on CNN. It was, but they stopped doing it.
2: So. No, don't you put that curse on me, Ricky Bobby. Texas <laughs> is not a swing state. Yeah, They're well gonna, once, well North. once
1: a riot started, uh, Texans kind of went like, okay, uh, not not yet, not yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, um, we'll wait for them to get some common sense. But here's, you know, kind of what y'all were saying is, for example, if I'm a mailman and I'm in, you know, one of the conservative areas that Skyler's talking about, or if I'm in the middle of, you know, ten by like two, ten seat. I know that like, okay, this is addressed to, you know, X address where I know all the ballots are going. And so chances are that's a Trump supporter. So the other pile. Uh, and So although you don't know for sure that that was a Democrat or Republican vote, it's a pretty safe bet that it was Republican. So and what about people that have like a Trump like, sign
3: in their yard or things like that? If you see yeah, a Trump exactly, sign in a yard. Exactly. So, <laughs> you have,
0: so you have one bad apple that gets hired by, say, the Biden campaign, you know, quote, unquote, to go into this area and just throw them all out. But I'm not going to lie. I mean, it could happen on the other side, too. You know, like, this is a very Democrat area. And
2: it'd probably be, to be honest, it'd probably, it'd probably be easier for, um, you know, someone to do that because a lot of people that vote Democrat are going to be uh, in cities and are going to, you know, be more uh, densely populated so you're gonna even have, it, have like i said works, it's,
1: it's, it's not a competition of who can get the most votes the question of competition of who can cheat the best
0: that's well, what will happen with a
1: nationwide mail ballot scheme
0: uh, who cheats the best uh, right who cheats the best uh but it's also the the chaos of even if it was a perfect system it's going to be a week after election day that you're actually going to have the results well did
1: y'all see what happened with the with the uh, what was it the Democrat analyst firm they came out and said what's going to happen is this is what they're expecting Trump is going to win by a landslide on election night like 400 electoral votes but what's going to happen it it's a is all the uh, mail in votes are gonna start trickling in and by one week later Biden's going to win by like Obama level numbers
2: have there been a lot of states that have uh, allowed expanded mail in voting I mean I've heard a lot of noise about it but I don't know how many actually have expanded.
1: Well, I think those that have are safety are safe blue states, anyways.
0: Well, so you have the Wolf Blitzer Bar interview. Wolf Blitzer, I, I have yeah, well Yeah, uh, Wolf Blitzer that. on CNN interviewed William Barr the other day. Very good.
3: So interview. the states
1: that so I hate before. to say this, the states that matter, they haven't. I don't. I don't think like Ohio has done. It. I don't think Florida has done it. I don't think right, Michigan, right. Wisconsin, or it's like California. So what's gonna happen is Trump's that Biden is gonna win like five million by the popular vote because California is gonna have. Uh, like 50 million people vote even though the population isn't uh um, right but like but like sort of what you're saying
0: uh, but like what you're saying the reason i bring up that interview is because was calling that out he said well, what about all these states that have been doing mail-in ballots for history and you know, for all these years, and they haven't had any problems. It's like you mean to tell me Californians have no corruption in their election of any kind, in any area. You know, everybody knows California has a corrupt election, and if they're doing pretty heavy mail-in ballots, well, there's. I mean, I know
3: people personally out. in California who have showed up to the polls and been told that they have Democrat and independent ballots, no Republican option. No, that's why
1: we can't – this is like a perfect example of why Electoral College is good because we can let California do all their BS and they they will sway the national election.
0: Right. If voter laws are going to be up to states, we definitely need the Electoral College. But if voter laws went national, then we can talk about it. I'm not saying we could move the Electoral College. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the conversation wouldn't seem so – ridiculous well but even then the you, just to, just, to just the because the there's states, a law
3: doesn't mean that that's going to be followed i mean we see that know, things know, like it's sanctuary just, cities and things like right, that right. So but it's
0: it's just the concept of it but right now because we have voter laws in each state and you know that some of these states really need to tip it in one direction you I, that's why you know non-ballots are ridiculous you know sure in a perfect world where you know there's no corruption yeah i'm just mailing my vote but we don't live in, that's yeah. the whole reason why there's a federal government I mean,
3: if there were no corruption or anything, online voting would be fine. but
0: oh yeah, but we're totally not techn- technologically ready for that. We, like you talk about getting hacked by the Russians in 2016. Oh no. I don't think <laughs> oh, no. I don't
3: think it's a risk I would ever want to take even if I did think we were technologically ready.
2: Why don't we just right. vote by who has more Twitter followers? Um, in that case, I tweeted this a few you days ago.
0: That, did you know that Twitter? Only five percent of I think the country uses Twitter. It's either five percent of the world or the country. It's part of the world, but it's the world. Even though, more than five percent use Twitter, right here, on, yeah, United it seems States. ridiculous that it's five percent. But in the world, even in the world, though, five percent use Twitter. That's ridiculous. You get into Twitter and you see people with like a hundred million followers when only five percent of the planet even uses Twitter.
1: Well, yeah, just do the math of what five percent is. It's still like five. It's still like let's see, one percent is. Um, Seventy million, so thirty three hundred fifty mil three hundred fifty million, roughly. Basically,
0: the United States. Yeah. So, anyway, but uh, the you know it's not just uh, the whole mail-in ballot. It's not just Nancy getting her hair. It's that there's something new every single week that is just. And then Joe Biden tweeted uh, a picture of Trump playing golf he didn't mention who he was playing golf with because they were important people. He didn't mention the fact that it's probably like the third time he's gone golfing in a few months. It's, which is not a lot compared to the Obama Biden golfing days. Uh, Mm. And I remember seeing them golfing like every single weekend and they weren't golfing with foreign leaders. They were just golfing. Trump has go go golf with she. And so Biden said, I wish he was working on fixing this pandemic instead of golfing. Or he did one of those Mr. President tweets. And it's like, bro, you're in your basement. Like you you said, okay, we're we're gonna go out and campaign in 10 days. Like <laughs> let's
1: not let's not forget the biggest hypocrisy of all, where Biden has been talking about hashtag Black Lives Matter, uh justice system is racist, everything. And then, then he puts Kamala Harris as his running mate.
0: Mm-hmm. The woman probably who, one of the most hated pretty people in this entire country. She literally uh not only did she literally sleep her
1: way to her position, but she also falsified falsified evidence to keep people in jail, and got mm-hmm. multiple like prosecuted multiple marijuana convictions. And
2: they've got some uh, I can go uh, just, on and on. The Democratic Party has some really strange positions on police because you've got on the one hand you've got the people that want to defund the police and abolish the police, um, and then you have Kamala Harris who is. The police, basically, and she's like the worst. She is the
0: police, and she wants to defund herself.
2: Well, she's like the worst uh, type of police because she's like extremely corrupt. Um, Like Tulsi Gabbard said, and uh, I think it was maybe her last debate, the one where she totally dragged Kamala Harris. um, How Kamala Harris blocked evidence that would have freed uh, innocent people on death row. Um, You know, it's just I can't imagine you know having to being being like a moderate and having to decide between you know voting for joe biden and that ticket where you have people that you don't really know what they believe in because on the one hand they want to defund the police and then on you're the other not, you're hand, not voting for
0: biden though you're voting for kamala you're voting for Beto that's true or Mork, you're voting that's for true. aoc you're voting for all these different people that have cabinet positions you're i not mean for
2: i th- i think donald trump um you know I think he 's far more reasonable um, when it comes to the police like he's deployed he 's deployed the National guard when it 's appropriate, and they went into portland they 've gone into um, didn't they go into Minnesota or am I imagining that um, they 've gone into a lot of these t- cities and um, I think he 's you know done the right thing with with uh, with the national guard and, Obviously, well, it's, it's funny scary.
0: you mention that because our next topic is actually going to be about that. So, uh, in one minute, we will have Kevin Murillo. Ahora con nosotros es Kevin Murillo. Kevin, ¿cómo estás?
4: Bien, bien. Un saludo para todos. ¿Cómo estás, Ethan?
0: muy bien y cómo fue la iglesia hoy
4: bien estuvo think, uh, estuvo bien estuvo I'll muy take bien the check. Te, te, cómo okay, te
0: cómo te pues pues aquí en Arlington me fue muy bien eso
4: Arlington
0: yeah. eso fue muy estresado pero estaba yeah. bien okay so we're not gonna do it in Spanish ustedes no, ustedes estamos en América hablando inglés bro I'm so okay <laughs> so Kevin Murray who's joining us now is a member of the National Guard so What we would like to ask you, Kev, is obviously, you know, there's some, we actually had Kevin on in June when the riots were first cooking up. And none of us thought that we'd be in September still talking about this. Um, But Kevin, when the president says Portland could be fixed in 30 minutes to an hour, what does he mean by that? What's the protocol? What do y'all, what, what would you
4: Well, uh, first of all, I'm gonna tell you right now, man, it would not take 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just a talking point, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so pretty much, you know, the National Guard comes from the minute, man, from the American Revolution where someone on a pole review on a horse will go, call people up, hey, and then they had their muskets right there, they will take off, you know, be ready. That is not how the National Guard is anymore. Um, actually, I've, I've quite noticed um, it takes a lot of logistics. It takes a lot when the president gives a call and then when the governor approves it, because for, for, for any National Guard, since any, and, you, and you, you said it yourself, it's not only National Guard, it's Texas National Guard, it's New York National Guard, it's Oregon National Guard. So when the, Nas- when the president asks for the National Guard to be mobilized, the governor has to has to approve it, unless he's willing to put them on federal orders. And then once the governor approves it, then um, a specific you know um there many procedures have to be have to be done. They have to see how they're gonna feed the the soldiers. They they need to see how many soldiers they need. They need to see how many units from what unit. They need to see where they're gonna be staying. They they need to see where from the budget they're taking money out to to pay these soldiers. So it's it's many things. It's not just like every soldier is ready with so that 30 minutes after they're, they're called, they have to be they can be in the units. Now, for example, here in um, here in my unit, I'm with the one for one infantry, Texas, i um, 36 ID when when they give you a call. And then in right words, now, in I'm words, Austin, right? <laughs> no, San Antonio. OK, you got moved. Yeah, yeah. So when we spoke back in June, I was in, I was in the riots. I was over in, in Austin with the Capitol. But now that I was moved into a different mission, now I'm over here in San Antonio.
0: Okay. Sorry to interrupt. I just, you know, the numbers. No, you're good, good, man. None of us know what you're talking about.
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyways, once they, once they, they say, okay, this is the unit that we need to call. Then you need to have, if it's off hours, you need to have your training um, MCO or your readiness NCO. Which usually are full-time National Guard members. Um, it's only two or three per unit. Then they they will go and start calling people up. But you have people, for example, we have our headquarters here in San Antonio. We have people coming from Dallas, people coming from Del Rio, people coming from Houston, people coming from Port Arthur, from Corpus, from Del El Paso. So it's not like you're gonna be here in thirty minutes, even if you catch a plane. So it you know it's it takes about about sometimes even a full day to for you to have your full force with you. And then once that happens, you, that's when you can start getting mobilized. So if if the national
0: guard was to be mobilized into, you know, Portland who's had like a hundred and something nights of of fire, uh, what would, like, what would be the effectiveness of it? Like, what would they, what would they, how does that process work? And, and do you think like you being a member, do you think that's
4: the solution? Well, that, that is a very complex question. The, first of all, if I think it will be effective, it just depends on, on really what kind of powers they give the, the National Guard. Because, you know, something that we would not want is it, uh, a martial law. That's something, you know, that in my opinion, that should be out of the question. But I did see, I did see how when um, back in June when we were in Austin – I could see the difference between soldiers being there and soldiers not being there. Now, the real question is, will the poor, like, like, I, like I mentioned to you, if you go to active duty army, pretty much most units are gonna be pretty similar in the sense of their, uh, their preparation, their budget, everything comes from federal. See, there's no, there's no difference whatsoever, whether you're in Alaska or you're in Germany or you're in Virginia. Now with the National Guard, there is you know there's budget differences every single state is different you can't compare the texas um economy to the california economy to the florida economy to the new york economy so every national guard will be different every governor is going to give the national every single different national guard specific powers and specific instructions to what they need to do now if you if you ask me um you know if I'm in front of a Walmart or not, um, let's say I'm in front of fo- of a Footlocker, right? If there's twenty soldiers in front of a Footlocker, is it going to be harder harder to loot it? Yes, because if you see twenty soldiers in front of you with the full body armor, probably a weapon on them, their shields, their helmets, you're going to think about it twice. To whereas if you see a Footlocker just by itself, or you see just the streets by themselves and no one to really tell you what not to do then i believe that i believe that in that sense it is a solution i don't know if i'm answering your question with that
2: well, i was going I to think, ask I, think, I, was, yes, I was going uh, to ask you, you know what kind of impact does deploying the national guard actually do do you see like a noticeable um, you know uh, decrease in crime you know from your from your experience or you know does that you know i could imagine in some cases maybe it maybe people really want confrontation and maybe it's, you know, they, they're even worse about it. Like it's like, it's like
0: when we, when we people that aren't members of the national guard or army or any sort of remote, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, watch the TV and we see all the fire and we see all that. We're like, well, what's taking them so long? Just send in the national guard. But you being a national guard member, when you see that kind of stuff, are you like, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm strapped, let's go. Or are you like, uh, there's so many other things they can do instead. Like for example, well, didn't they deploy National Guard in Kenosha?
4: Yeah. So with that, with that being asked, um, as an American person, not even a soldier, just as someone who sees it, do I say, okay, I'm ready, to send me? Yes. But something that also we gotta realize here is that there are a lot of limitations. In my opinion, there's a lot of limitations put in the to the National Guard. And why is that? because our our uniforms are not going to say um police or fire department or um you know security what what does a uniform say US army now um i mean people are going to have different opinions about this but the way i see it media has a big take on everything that's going on the media can change your mindset mindset in a second so if you if you see if i see riders right and i see 10 people coming at me with and I can see in their face that they're they're trying to harm me. I'm gonna try to defend myself, and I'm just gonna try to go off. But I remember, and this was actually our in our briefings when we're gonna go off, when we're gonna go out to the field. We can't obviously we can't we're not gonna we're not gonna start an attack because our our um our purpose is to defend the people, the Americans. But most people don't understand that, and they come to attack us. There's many limitations that we can, we can do just because we are the Department of Homeland, um, because we are the Department of Defense, we're DOD. So it's not like we're part of the, of the police department where they can do a lot more. And I don't know if you, if you, if you get what I'm trying to say. So the, the police department could, could do more for the people. The, I get the sheriffs could do more. But us as National Guard, we are, we are pretty limited. Some people will not even have like uh, protective equipment for them, so to, like, for them to actually like the defend themselves
0: what's like the difference in uh, you're giving really good analysis though i, I didn't know a lot of this uh, what's like the difference in say, your job as a national guard and the federal agents that DHS sends in like what because from what I understand from what I hear just you know people explaining it is that mm-hmm. it's basically a federal police officer what's the uh, how would you put that
4: that, that's, that is a great way to put it. Um, so the best way I can, I can tell you about this is we, as the, nat- when us national Guardsmen that are being called in, even our highest ranking officers, we're not in charge. See the um for example, when we were over in Austin, they told us, you guys are here as support. Anything that, any decision that needs to be made, you guys are getting from DPS, from the Department of, of Security. So, and that's pretty much, and I have friends over in the New York national guard, um, other members of the Texas National Guard, different units, California National Guard, Michigan, Minnesota, all around. Um, I've spoken to friends and they've told me the same thing. We're here just just for support. You know, it's not the same. It's not the same thing. Um, seeing twenty to thirty police officers or um, agents of um, from agency or federal officers in front of you, then behind them, seeing about a hundred soldiers in uniform and full battle rattle. So. So we're there most mostly for support. The federal officer the federal um officers that are coming to different states, yeah, like you said, there are more federal police officers. They they pretty much rule themselves, they make make decisions for themselves. I'm sure that they are in accordance with um other agencies, DPS, um, Texas Police Department, everything going on. But as of um but when it comes to the National Guard, we're there mainly for support and take orders from, from other from higher ups. Okay, so
2: It seems like an interesting, like, kind of structure of it because, you know, you're, you know, under the Department of Defense, the federal government, but you kind of get your orders from states. That seems like a really interesting structure of it. Um, You know, I think a lot of people probably just think it's, you know, Donald Trump tells you to do something, and, like, that's how it works. But, yeah, that's kind of interesting right there.
0: That's really interesting. Um, Kevin, what was, like, like, what was, uh, I don't mean to, like, press you by any means, but in Minneapolis, in Kenosha, and you know even Texas where the National mm. Guard has been deployed, it might be hard for you to answer because what you're saying is each state is a different model. Yeah. But what stopped the violence? Because I remember in June there were, you know, I didn't want to go anywhere near downtown Dallas. And now <laughs> it's like, it's whatever. Uh, but so what was, what do they actually, is it just their presence that makes everything stop? or what's like the protocol, you know, like go over here and do this, or is it just stand in front of this building and people just naturally, it just dies away.
4: So, um, there are two points to your question. The first um the first point is what stopped violence. I believe that pretty much just, just time stopped the violence really. And I can tell you this because I was for, again, when, when I was in Austin and I can, I can, I saw this in Houston as well. Austin is a. Austin is a. <clears throat> excuse me. Austin is a college city. Um, I can tell you that about ninety-five percent of the people that were riding over there and that were um that were doing their protest were between the ages of like seventeen to like twenty-five. Everyone looked my age, younger a little, slightly older. So it was. You could tell that it was pretty much the people that um, they were off school. They were just home chilling, so there wasn't really much they needed to do. But it's not like you're going to tell your boss, no, I can't go because I have to go riot. I can't – no, boss, I can't go to work because I have to go protest because then you're going to get fired. Yes, on, on Saturdays and Sundays, it was – we had 10,000 people protesting on a Sunday. We mm-hmm. had 7,000 people on a Saturday just in front of the – and, I mean, if 7,000 people come and charge against 100, guess who's going to win? even with firearms or whatever,
2: but I mean, the, formula, the formula here is, you know, of everything that's going on right now in the country, you've got a lot of people um, out of work. Um, they're sitting at home. Um, they're reading all over social media and they're watching TV and they're being fed all this, you know, I mean, really it's, I mean, in my opinion, propaganda that, uh, that, you know, they're just, police are just murdering. Um, they're just like a, a you know, real a real issue, a real problem. Like, knowing me wrong, it happens, and I and I call it out when it happens. But these people will see all this stuff, and they got nothing better to do with their time, and then they just go out in the streets and and cause trouble and and start up trouble and you know loot these stores and everything, and um, and then we hear on the news they say, "Well, it was like ninety, this is what like ninety four percent peaceful." Um, well, that's may be true, but that 6% is obviously a big issue. Um, the people that aren't being peaceful, uh, if one out of every one out of every 20 are burning down stores, that's a problem. And um, so, I mean, I'm thankful that we had the national guard to come in in situations like this. Uh, well, I'm very, uh, Kevin
0: gives some very good insight. I, you know, I did not know a lot of information that you gave us, but uh, so we're, a little bit short on time so I'm going to let Jordan close it out because he is a resident of Austin so uh, Jordan as a UT student ask Mm -hmm. him your last remarks.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well yeah so I so of course we are like a college town but a lot of us were out were out of town at the time so do you think that like with Austin it was necessarily like UT students or was it just a bunch of people who like probably just wanted to stir trouble because they were home from college or even high schoolers
4: i, I you know i will say a combination of both really um very good point with what um Skyler was saying and it's the fact that when you put people at home and they're bored and there's nothing for them to do or they're, they're out of work they're out of school they 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 get bored they got to want to do something else you see so mm-hmm. um so yeah, it will. It will just. I guess it would just be a, a mix of, of emotions, mix of everybody just, just there. Um, and yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much how I saw it. Sounds about right. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, brother. Glad to be with y'all. Well, as always, thank you, Kim, for
0: your insight. It's very useful. We got a lot of uh, compliments on the last time you joined us, uh, telling us. Oh, cool. Like that guy, Kevin Maria really, and Eric, <laughs> both of y'all, both of y'all put together. It was just loaded of information. Uh, anyway, but as always, yeah, I even, know, even, was, go ahead.
4: <laughs> yeah, even your grandpa saw him last week. He's like, Hey man, cool podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know my grandpa said that. Anyway, but, uh, uh, do you have to say it though? Thanks for your service.
4: Uh, and you appreciate it. I think,
0: I think you enjoy it, but still have to thank you. So.
4: Yeah, it's fun, man.
0: (laughs) Anyway, I don't know if anybody has as much fun as Aaron does, but anyway. (laughs) Well, well, that's it for this topic. And uh, thank you for all of you for listening to episode 20 and sticking with us for 20 weeks. I don't think any of the four of us thought that we would actually be doing this for 20 weeks.
4: I thought it was just going to be a COVID thing, but no, we are still here. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your continued support. Y'all have a good day.